Welcome back to Man Cave Movie Night, everybody. This week we're talking about Asteroid City. But before we talk about Asteroid City, let's just note, no one cares about what has already come out. People only care about what's going to come out. Right. That's true. That's true. true. The main question that you have walking out of a Wes Anderson movie is, I wonder what the next one's going to (laughs) be. And, and walking into true. it, even. And walking into it, honestly, you're kind of, yeah, exactly. You're like, all right, all right. Let's, all right, I've already seen the trailer. I basically know what this is. Let's, let's, let's get a new one. Yeah. Yeah, so let's not waste our viewers or our listeners' time. Yeah. Let's just, let's, we can talk about the, the movie later, right? Let's but talk about what's right next. right now, we're going to tell you guys what we think the next Wes Anderson movie is. Not even what it should be. We're telling you right it, now it what is. it is. And okay? it is pretty educated guesses, so just don't be shocked if we're very close to how the actual movie turns out. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start and just say this movie stars Michael Sarah. Yeah. Michael Sarah is the main character, and his name is Michael Barra. Barra. <laughs> <laughs> Saw that coming. Michael Saw Barra. that coming a mile away. <laughs> So let, let's talk about what does Michael Barra do? You guys have any ideas, or do you remember what he does? From- well, well, he's in a kind of a wacky family, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> so you true. with very specific people, like his twin sisters. Mm. Sisters, yeah. yeah. So I guess triplet. He's a triplet. <laughs> or the sisters could just be twins with themselves. Oh, with them. yeah. oh yeah, that works. <laughs> or he's a triplet. I'm, I like you. And and they're ten years old. But they're played by Francis McDormand, and, de-aged. <laughs> oh, see, I was actually, for real, though, I think Maya Hawke is a new staple of Wes Anderson cast. Yeah. So yeah. I think it would probably be Maya Hawke and maybe, like, I don't know, Anya Taylor-Joy or something. <laughs> like, and everyone is just insisting the whole time that they're identical twins when they are not <laughs> at all. Well, honestly, mm. that seems like a Wes Anderson joke to me. Yeah. Oh, totally. Just calling yeah. two people that look nothing alike identical twins, and then through the whole movie having people just reference the fact that, like, wow, I really can't tell you apart, can I? And we just, like, move past it. Yeah, you yeah, know? and then move past it. And every That's time good... they talk, instead of talking in unison, like the uh, Shining twins, they just talk over each other. Yeah. Again, yeah. Barry and they're West saying Anderson. basically yeah, the same exactly. thing, and it's yeah. not quite they, the exact they same. They start way. and end at the same time, <laughs> but they're just kind of saying the Very same thing. Very much. Yeah. Um, and they're like side eyeing each other, just trying to like figure out what they're trying to say and like <laughs> speaking over each other. Yeah, that would yeah. be that would be mm-hmm. good. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay, so what's the what's the point though? So what, Michael Sarah is a, is a brother of these two identical sisters. Um, mm-hmm. and father they, well, there's by other big family characters as well. You know, well, that was just family an characters. Yeah. I think their dad is played by Brian Cranston. Okay. And and Owen Wilson is the friendly neighbor. And yes. his yep. family is probably played by who would his wife be? Maybe Scarlett Johansson. Be, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Let's do it. Well, he he's going to be married to a man and the man he's married to is going to be Luke Wilson. So Owen okay. and Luke Wilson are interesting. Brothers/lovers. Um, Brian Cranston's wife would be Meryl Streep. Yep, yeah, but great. she tragically died at the very beginning of the movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Due to unknown circumstances. Due to unknown circumstances. However, Brian Cranston... No, 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 not Brian Cranston. 
Michael Sarah, this is why he's the main character. He um it kind of Jojo Rabbit style has like like a uh, what, what's the word sense. that I'm looking for? Not a six. That's what I'm trying to avoid. Oh, okay. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is like almost an imaginary friend version of her that oh, is like okay, from so. his imagination, so like, yeah, yeah. but like, she okay. is still a very present character despite the fact that she's actually dead and not there. And at the and at the, the beginning of the movie, it is Meryl Streep, and then throughout, it's stop motion Meryl Streep <laughs> <laughs> because it's all yeah. She, it's still voiced by her, yeah, but because yeah. it's his imaginary friend, yeah. That's and funny. the <laughs> the mystery of her death is so important because she's the first lady because Brian Cranston is the president of the United States. Ooh, and <sighs> during his. Trying yes, to figure out how his yes, mom, I guess, <laughs> how his mom has died, <laughs> he's figured out that there's now a plot to get his dad killed too, and so he's trying to figure out how to stop that while also solve the mystery of his mother's murder. Right. Which Meryl is Street. which is difficult Who's helping because him out? it's not just his dad anymore; it's America's dad. It's America's dad, <laughs> Brian Cranston, yeah. and Brian Branston. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they and have different last names. Yeah, me <laughs> too. Well, Branston wa- or Barra was his mother's maiden name. Oh, gotcha. She died. Meryl, Meryl Barra. Meryl Barra. <laughs> well, of course, because Michael Barra is in this 15 years old. Um, <laughs> right. He's got a, a relationship uh, or like a kind of mm. romantic interest that's kind of awkward, you know? And at the end, they hold hands. For the first yes. time. Yeah. And fireworks yeah. are going off because it's the 4th of July. Yes. And so the, the climax of the movie is on the 4th of July. Yes, mm. of course, because they're trying to use the fireworks at the White House to mask the murder. Mask the gunshots. Be <laughs> Didn't the murder <laughs> happen at the very beginning of the movie, Lucas? No, no, no the, the second murder. murder. The, murder of, the murder of oh, Brian. The murder of Brian. Because that's the... I just want to show you guys. If so you their neighbors <laughs> are Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson. Yeah, How yeah. far away they're, do these neighbors live? Because I can't far. imagine they're no, like no, next very, door. No, very quirky. They're just like there's a smaller house. <laughs> yeah, the and same the, as the White House. <laughs> very Wes Anderson. Like you see a model uh, house, and then it pans over yeah, and it pans it's, over yeah, to the smaller, to like, like <laughs> smaller blue house or that. something. I love yeah. that. I, I wanted to show you guys this picture of Michael Sarah with a beard, um, mm. just because I think looks like that every it's... bro's LinkedIn profile. There he is, <laughs> <laughs> because you know he does have a young face, and the beard really doesn't help him on that. Twenty twenty three is the year for smart system strategies. It's just <laughs> like the worst LinkedIn bro ever. He's like, hey, Man. I'm still looking for work, guys. In case you're wondering. <laughs> Yeah, has forever has the profile yeah, the filter profile. of like looking Hashtag, for work. Yeah, looking open for, to work. Open to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's relatable to me right now. So. Yeesh. Yeah, same. Um, but, hey guys, okay, so, so if you're listening you know. to this, we're open to work. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe as screenwriters. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, especially Wes Anderson. You know, he collaborates with like Noah Baumbach and even um, his buddy Owen Wilson. Yeah. So you know, if you need more people to collaborate with. And you like this idea? I think it's a pretty good up. idea. It's pretty then, good. Yeah, hit us up. Well, we got to figure out what's the twist. What's the twist ending? Because there is a twist. Does Owen Wilson out. have, or does uh, Wes Anderson have twist endings? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, not typically, but I guess this time because it's a mystery. That <laughs> I, I suppose. I suppose. Oh, yeah. Okay, if, if not it's a, a twist, mystery. there has to be a reveal. Um, so, okay. What do we think the reveal um, should be? Meryl Streep, what didn't die? Oh. Uh, but the you know stop motion thing is a real thing. Mm, it's like it the imaginary friend time. is actually her. It's oh, like uh, the underground, you know, it's like a mole person. I'm trying to avoid <laughs> yeah, aliens because he already did aliens. So <laughs> what what yeah, does yeah. not come from above must come from below. <laughs> and it is a mole person. And this is secretly a movie about the invasion of the mole people. <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> and is Meryl Streep a mole person? Yes, she is. And the whole movie, there's like a group of like, like Turkish terrorists that are trying to take America apart, led by Adrian Brody, because he's like, you know, (laughs) the most, the most man alive. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. He just looks like he, they could probably make it work. And Adrian Brody's definitely going to be in there. And then Mm. at the end, um, Michael Barra is going to have a fully worked out case for why, like how the Turkish uh, terrorists did all of this. And then he's going to present that to Adrian Brody, who is imprisoned. And he's just going to be like, no, that's like not it at all. And then the mole people reveal happens. You don't find out about the mole people until the last 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. But then... Is it like a scrolls thing in Captain Marvel where they nope. were kind of not, or they're mean? They're no, they're mean. mean they're except jerks. For Meryl Streep, and <laughs> they're, they're trying jerks. To take they over like the bully president. you. They and like to wait for you to. Yeah, they wait for you to be holding something, and they like hit it out of your hands. On uh. They're just jerks. They're bullies. I could see a mole people type like costume and makeup thing just fitting in well in front of the White House, just very flat, like Wes Anderson lighting mm-hmm. style just like kind of pans over and it's just like oh yeah it was the mole people and just they're just all there <laughs> pan to the mole people and they're standing there just like blinking so how how is uh, michael barra able to resolve this conflict then in the last couple minutes is he able to maybe he's not you know, it's not yeah. about him resolving the conflict with the mole people it's about him coming into his own and finding this new love with uh this neighbor girl Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, of course, yep. And they just have to Nothing say, hey, else you know matters. what, the mole people are here, but so be it. We're yeah. just going to do our best That's and art. move on with life. I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm going to get going. Okay, we have to think of a, of a clever and interesting title. Um, ooh, man. Independence Day Emergence. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. The third of the trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> but the title, the the name of the movie isn't revealed to the very end. Yeah, it's, it's just it as it untitled, untitled Wes Anderson, Anderson movie. movie. And then at the end, it's like, oh, it was a sequel to Independence Day the whole time. That's the secret twist. That's the twist. Yeah, that's, that's a great, great twist. That's a great cool. twist. Man, well, Wes Anderson, you should hire us because we're ready. We're open to work. We're hashtag yeah. open to work. Yeah. Hashtag <laughs> open to work, just like Michael Sarah. But so, what's the name uh, of this episode called of our um, podcast? I'm not sure, but I know what this episode's theme song sounds like.
Welcome back, everybody, to <laughs> another episode of Man Cave Movie Night. Now that that terrible, horrible idea is... <laughs> is I don't know. There, I'm Jared. There's, there's some good ideas in there. I'm Niall. Sheesh. Lucas. Yeah, and, we did. Uh, <laughs> there's some good ideas in there. But overall, uh, you know what's a better idea was Wes Anderson's idea of Asteroid Asteroids. City. So mm. we're going to talk about that. That was a very I did good like idea. the idea for it. Um, yeah. Almost on par with our idea. I mean, we almost. already know that is what his next movie is. So, you know, he just kind of had to pick and choose which one he made first, and he just kind of happened to make Asteroid City first. Right. Yeah. And because we're really similar to Wes Anderson already, I know yeah. our audience, they started this episode thinking, oh, I wonder what their next episode's going to be. And exactly. so yeah, we exactly. will let you know at the end of this episode, so you can keep wondering. So stick around. We'll tell Ooh, you what our next episode is. Nice. And I think nice you're going to like this. Nice little tease. I think you're going to like it. <laughs> I think you're going to you like better. it. Because he wasn't lying. We actually do have an idea for next week's episode. We do. Yeah. And it's going to be, be cool. I'll be pissed if you don't like it. Yeah, me too. But buckle but, in. You're watching this movie now. Or you're listening to this show now. About True. this movie. About and this we'll movie. do non-spoilers first. That way, if you haven't seen it yet... You can listen to this and get our opinion on it, and then you can go out and watch it yourself as well. Because you can uh, rent it now. I don't. It's probably pretty expensive to rent right now, but it is available for rent digitally, or you know, even better, seen in the theaters, which is the optimal viewing experience for a movie like this. Um, or DVD. Nihil's yeah, DVD. The, in the I background. have the DVD thing in the background, and it just hit the corner. Oh, so it did really. I think that's nice. a good. I think that's a good omen. I think that means we're in for a good episode. Very good. Does someone want to start us off talking about what they thought of the movie? Yeah, I'll go. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say this, though. It's definitely, I, I saw all of our letterboxed reviews of it. Well, actually, I don't know if Niall posted one, but I I've did. Yeah, I posted later. I've talked to I Niall. did post one. Um, and I think I liked it the least out of, uh, the least out of all of us. Ignore that. Um... <laughs> And I think a lot of that is same problems I had with the French Dispatch, and just in the way the movie's presented, it kind of kills the pacing for me a little bit. I think it adds a lot, but at the end of the day, when I watch movies, typically I just like a good story, and I think, I you know I can appreciate when a director makes it, um, tells it very creatively, but at the end of the day, I my preference is like fantastic mr fox it starts it tells the whole story by the end you know you've got the picture and you're moved this one it kept stopping to go and you know tell it in a different way or tell a different story at the same time again no spoilers i guess but (laughs) um i don't know i think that killed it a little bit for me but i do i did like the story right and i liked the ambition but it's not going to be one of my favorites of his. Um, yeah. I do think as well, I want to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many little things and decisions throughout that I'm like, okay, why? What, what's the meaning behind that? Why are they doing that? Like the cars going down the street. Oh, yeah. I'm like, what's <laughs> up with that? Like it keeps <laughs> happening and maybe I miss something, you know? And so there's a lot to unpack with it. But overall, mm-hmm. good cast, fun story. Mm-hmm. Just told in a way that's not particularly my favorite. But sure. I'm sure that's going to be the wrong opinion of the podcast. So. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I kind of agree I with the whole idea of 
just him telling a story outright because my favorite of his is Grand Budapest. Yeah. Second same. favorite is Fantastic Mr. Fox. Same. Both of which, I mean, Grand Budapest does a little bit of like jumping around, but it has the narration from um, Jude Law, like pretty much the whole time, yeah. and it kind of like guides the story as he's talking about Mr. Fossa, mm-hmm. who is Ray Fiennes' character. I think that is his best example of not it's not super linear but it pretty much is um just because it's a guy telling a story and then cutting back to the telling of the story with this i did like the ambition of the whole play thing i thought it was very creative and interesting i I totally could see a version where it's just the story of asteroid city being told and it would be great too but i do like how he's trying to kind of out wes anderson himself and he is trying to like kind of push himself and change, almost like how Christopher Nolan is trying to out Christopher Nolan himself. But sure. just, I think it was a little bit more effective in this than um, maybe. And I, I like the French Lieutenant. Dispatch as well. But my biggest com- like not even complaint, no, but just yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, my biggest not complaint, but just kind of you know, I, I would prefer like a linear story with this and French Dispatch. However, I yeah. really like the story that is presented, even if it is just a little bit non, you know, standard or non-traditional, mm-hmm. it's yeah. still, you know, interesting and cool. Yeah. yeah, I think you put that in a great way. <laughs> yeah. So. I actually agree also. Um, more so on the French Dispatch thing, though. Uh, with, with French Dispatch, it really kind of, like, it didn't, like, bother me or make me upset. I was just kind of like, oh, so it's not really a movie. It's yeah, it's like a bunch of like short a films. Collection yeah. of short films, which is fine. You know, that's mm-hmm. okay. Um, however, with this one, I I think part of the reason that I in, didn't really have that problem as much with this one is because it felt much less that way than French Dispatch did. Yeah. You know, it still basically just kind of felt like, okay, there's two stories going on and they're directly related. So, like, I was okay with it. Yeah. However, I totally understand that that not even like criticism, just opinion. Like I, yeah, I just right. I like get observation. Yeah. yeah. I get that standpoint. I um, think like just the cuts of when it said scenes. Yeah. Four and five. Yeah. That was, that was I, really what, you know, and you're just sitting there for a second and then the story continues. Mm-hmm. I could have done without that. I liked that the third act took it out because I realized, Hey, the pacing is important for this part. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was the only thing that like, truly bothered me critique wise yeah. again i liked both of it so sure yeah i, I, I think, think it helps a lot yeah well yeah finish your thing i was just gonna yeah i just i thought that the art direction and and of course i don't want to say too much in the non-spoiler part because there's a whole element of this movie that is just not in the marketing at all yeah. Um, and so it's it was really interesting to me the way that it started. I was like, okay, this is not at all what I was expecting. It kind of almost reminded me of the beginning of like Isle of Dogs, where it has this big yeah. setup of like, okay, here's what's happening. Here's kind of the explanation for the context of the story, things like that. But then that that it's it's basically if Isle of Dogs had that opening, but that opening kept happening throughout the movie Mm -hmm. and it was it was like i thought it was really interesting um there were certain points there was a point about halfway through where i kind of realized oh this is um and this is in my letterboxd review this is kind of the first 
Wes Anderson one where there's a very clear, not a very clear, but it's very clear that there is like a higher meaning that's going to be left up to interpretation. Mm -hmm. And once I kind of like keyed into that, I think it made me enjoy the rest of the movie more just because I was like, okay, I'm supposed to kind of be a little bit confused and pulling out the meaning from this that I'm getting. Yep. Which, in my research after of what other people thought the meaning was, too, I was pretty excited because there were some things that I thought that I was seeing a lot of posts about, and there were other things that I thought that w I wasn't seeing anything about. And I was like, well, I think that I win then, you know? <laughs> yeah, I got, I got some of the meanings that were part of Wes Anderson's plan, but then also I got something out of it that's, like, personal to me, you know? And when a movie can do that in a way where I feel like I have contributed to the story, I personally really enjoy that. However, yeah. I will also walk out of this saying, I understand if this is one that people leave and they go, I didn't like that one at all. And I would be like, okay, like that makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah. I get it. It worked for me, but I understand it not working for others. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of interesting because Wes Anderson is just so unique and I love him a lot. And I think all of us really <laughs> enjoy him. him. Wow, <laughs> yeah. I would, I would, if he would let me, I've tried to ask him and he wouldn't let me, he wouldn't respond to my emails. Yeah, anyway, um, he's weirdly divisive because he's just so unique in the way that he makes his movies that it's like some people just really don't like that style. And some people really love it like myself and you guys. And so it's very interesting. Um, kind of seeing people who are like, oh, I hate Wes Anderson. I hate the stuff he does because I really like it. I think it's cool that he has such a unique style and such a unique vision for his movies and he's able to execute them fairly well most of the time. I, I like all of his movies. None of them I, th I think are bad at yeah. all. Yeah, I really like all of them. And so, yeah, it's just a kind of an interesting thing. And I, this one is like, like I was saying, it's, very, oh, it's a very Wes Anderson movie. And mm -hmm. so if you don't like him already, you're not going to like it. However, if you do like him or if you kind of don't really know who he is, I think it's worth a shot because it's, it is a cool story. And I think it's just really fun. Like, I yeah. just really enjoy how it's told. Yeah, I um, think I'll, I'll add to that really quick. You, you talk about how it's a very Wes Anderson movie. Throughout mm -hmm. the whole thing, there are very many, like, Wes Anderson-isms or even just you know, the score. That's a very Wes mm -hmm. Anderson score, right? Um there's just moments that just made me smile really big and like giggle no, to myself. Oh, you yeah. know, it was just a fun watch for the, you know, a Wes Anderson fan. Right. Yeah. And and so I still got that energy atmosphere, the quirkiness, uh, mm -hmm. the jokes that landed, you know, the awkwardness that was just like charming. Yeah. All of that was still in there. Um, and, and it made for a great experience. Right. So, like, I, I kind of had, overall, it was like a mixed pot of things for me. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, yeah, I for totally sure. get that. Do we want to um, move into more spoiler territory? Let's move into spoiler territory. Not for too long, though, because we have some interesting questions that I want to talk agree. about. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we've gotten most of it out. Basically, <laughs> I would say we would recommend you watching it, especially if you're a fan of Wes Anderson. If you're not a huge fan, you're probably not going to love it. But if you're not sure, then just check it out. I think it's yeah. definitely worth the watch. It's only like... It's, barely, it's not even two hours, I don't think, so it's not yeah. too much of a time commitment. Um, so my spoiler territory, it's not like too spoilery even, <laughs> but I loved the approach of 
kind of inverting the presentation of the two things, how the real life portions of like the writer and director and stuff were shot as a stage play. Very much. They were on a stage and things like that. And the play was represented as real life. I thought Mm -hmm. that was a really interesting way to also kind of immediately start trying to confuse you of like, okay, what's real? What's not kind of, where am I? The scene where Brian Cranston is in it, and then he's like, oh, I'm, I'm not in this. I'm not in yeah, this oh, thing. And man, he moves I out. That. I loved that, but that was the moment where I was like, oh, okay, higher meaning for sure. He wants mm. us to kind of, he wants us to be guessing what's going on a little bit. Like, why did Brian Cranston show up there? And I think personally that the whole point of it was just kind of to almost confuse the two to the point where you're like, okay, is this like part of the documentary or is this actually like in the play? Like, was that designed to be like the writer messing up or something? There was just like, it started Mm -hmm. opening things for interpretation. And I thought that that was really cool. Um, Yeah. So all of that stuff, first of all, I just loved that presentation of it. I thought it was really clever and it, it of course felt very much like Wes Anderson trying to out Wes Anderson himself. <laughs> yeah, <it did. laughs> Let's represent a play as real life and a, and real life as a play. Like mm-hmm. that just sounds, if you said that to me outside of the context of this episode, I'd be like, are you talking about like a Wes Anderson thing? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like something he would do, you know? Yeah. I liked the black and white color contrast <laughs> as well. Yeah. I thought it was totally to your point as well, that the color being the play and the black and white being the real world was mm-hmm. really effective. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I liked how the aspect ratio kept changing and stuff like that, too. He messed around yeah. with that in French Dispatch a lot more. And mm-hmm. I think it was more honed in. Like, in this one, I think it was a better use of it. In French Dispatch, it was more like, hey, look, I'm doing this just because I can, and I think it's fun. <laughs> sure. In this, yeah. it, like, actually served a purpose. It felt which like, I yeah, was, it was yeah. contributing really to the fun. story. Um, I like how about, I liked the alien. Yeah, I was going to say love that's the, the alien. that's oh. the big spoiler. Yeah. I thought that was so funny. Yeah. Well, during the credit, the opening credits it like lists everything and then it mm-hmm. said that Jeff Goldblum as the alien and yeah. Niall and I looked at each other and we're like, "Oh, well, there you that have it." Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I like it's very interesting. Well, I loved how it was like a stop motion. It was like very much a Fantastic Mr. Fox type stop motion little Mm -hmm. thing. And I loved how he was able to integrate that into this story. And it Mm -hmm. felt great. And then it went... And (laughs) there was like the contrast in color too in that scene that I think really Mm -hmm. was clever in making it a little easier to process Mm -hmm. for our eyes. Mm -hmm. Where all of them were lit by the ship. So all of the people were green. But the alien was in the beam of the thing. And so it was just like white like yellow white light and Uh so there was like a a big enough contrast and they were in different lightings that i think it was a clever way to basically just make your brain accept the fact that all of this was like in the same place you know Mm, it was it was really cool i liked that a lot i like how they show behind the set jeff goldblum just booling in the outfit Mm -hmm. i thought that was really funny and i don't remember exactly when but jason schwartzman's character like exits the stage and you kind of see how mm-hmm. it, the stagey part of it and how it's very different from the way we're being presented it, which I thought was kind of fun yeah. too. Yeah, it was very, very cool. But if we want to get into questions a little bit more, I have I, one thing with this movie and 
all of Wes Anderson's movies, um, is that he never really has a huge budget on his films, but he always has an insanely stacked cast. This one in particular had just unbelievable amount of talent. And, you know, French Dispatch, you name it, there's always, like his first couple, not as much so because he was still, you know, coming into his own. But then Royal Tenenbaums, which was his first one where he really kind of had the Wes Anderson look, that one has a ton of people in it that are all super famous. And basically from that point on, everyone has wanted to work with him and has worked with him for a pay cut. Like Edward Norton talked about how in Moonrise Kingdom, which, you know, by that point it was early 2010s, like 2012-ish, I think was yeah. when it came out. Sure. Edward Norton was very big. He said he got paid like $4,000 for that movie, which is like <laughs> insanely low. Um, I mean, part of it as well is that Wes Anderson movies don't typically make a lot at the box office, but they have a lot of longevity with like the fans of Wes Anderson material yeah. because of how beloved his stuff is. And so kind of like I was talking with him being divisive, why do you think studios continually give him money for movies that don't make money and actors work with him for money for no money basically or much lower rate than they typically get like Scarlett Johansson probably made 20 million dollars for Black Widow she probably made like less than 10 like probably 10 grand for this um and she or I don't know I don't know the specifics but much less than she makes yeah Jeff Goldblum probably made like 10 bucks yeah (laughs) He might not have so. even been paid. It might have just been like, hey, bro, can I have you in this? Because there are a lot of people like that. Like Hong Chow shows up for a half second. Yeah. Margot Robbie, again, huge yeah. name, shows up for just the one they scene. very possibly did all of her stuff in one day, that oh, photo. Yeah. Oh, almost and then certainly, her, yeah, yeah, for one little scene. But it was a great scene. Like, I really liked it. Um, but, yeah, why do you think that is? Why? What about Wes Anderson do you think is so appealing and attractive? I'm, it's I'm not. ready. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, no, this movie kidding. sucks, dude. <laughs> You'd have to pay me to be in this movie, which I guess yeah. is, is normal is. standard yeah, practice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, uh, <laughs> I think that a lot of it comes from kind of like almost the concept of would you rather be rich and have no one know who you are or not be rich, but become part of the culture, you know? Mm. And I think that it, I, at least personally, at putting myself into the situation of an Edward Norton or something like that, the way I picture it is... <laughs> He's already rich. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <but laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> what I think is, like, do I really, like, what's going to be more important to me as a person? Taking a role this year that is going to pay me a ton or taking a role this year that will solidify myself and my legacy in American and world culture, you know? And I think that this is one of those things where Wes Anderson, despite not having like huge budgets or anything, actors as well as audiences recognize that Wes Anderson movies, whether you like them or not, are kind of a, a, they're a cultural force and they're a thing that are going to stand the test of time because they've already been standing the test of time. And so like, I feel like in my brain, if I were an actor being in a Wes Anderson movie feels like the same kind of prestige as having a Hollywood walk of fame star Mm. where it's like, okay, well now I'm here forever. 
And yeah. this is going to be something that a lot of people are going to come back to and see. Whereas, like, The Incredible Hulk or something, it's <laughs> potentially for a for a superhero movie. There are Just some superhero movies. Just because of the franchise movies. aspect yeah. part of it, it could. Yeah, but. There are some that end up standing the test of time. But the most of them are flash in the pan. It's the important thing that year, but then you move on. Yep. And even then, it's just in a hundred years or whatever, there's going to be so many superhero movies that Edward Norton's The Incredible Hulk will have been totally forgotten. And And there's there's going to be 20 Wes Anderson movies, like probably max. (laughs) And so it's like, where would you rather be remembered a hundred years from now as as a performer so that's kind of the way that i see it at least from the actor's side i didn't really address the studio side of things but well i think it's the same thing i think they want like focus features has been producing a lot of his movies recently i think they just want to be the ones who are propagating these movies because no matter what when you watch when you watch a wes anderson movie their studio name will show up and so even if the theatrical run didn't have that huge of a you know, successful box office run. I do genuinely think he is, if not one of the best directors, one of the most unique directors of our time or any all time. And so it will be the type of movie people will want to continue watching for the next hundred years and stay relevant. Cause it's really like the test of an individual's like legacy, I guess really is after they die because in 100 years, every person alive currently will be dead pretty much. I mean, yeah. You know, but people will probably keep watching Wes Anderson movies. And so that's because they'll still be unique. They'll still be good people. Mm -hmm. If they come along, they'll either be copycats or they'll have to come up with their own style that'll make them unique. So it really is just cool to kind of have that kind of larger scope in. uh, I think that's a really good point now. So, yeah, I'll I'll kind of just add in a little bit because I agree 100 percent with both of you. Um, I think it comes down to the team and as much as the product, right? Yeah. The movies, yeah. I mean, maybe don't make as the most money, but people want to be a part of that club, that kind of like team that's making it. I think, for example, like uh, there are a lot of really big companies, just like, you know, companies that pay a lot of money, but people will quit their jobs at those companies to go work at a smaller startup with a better culture you know, a better team in a project they feel passionate about, right? It's not always about the money. Same with investors. You know, they want to invest in people who are passionate, who are creating something that, uh, you know, they're excited about. And every Wes Anderson film seems to be something that he's very excited about, of course, but also the team members, you know, the people. Like, it's it's a fun project that people are putting together um and so just being able to be a part of that is is cool right even if it flops right i think it's probably it's got to be a blast to work on the set right Mm -hmm. totally because i i still think that none of the movies he's made have been bad people don't like some as much as others totally Mm -hmm. i agree some are not as good as others in my opinion but all of them are unique in their own way like life aquatic of steve zizou could not be more different from French Dispatch, which it's could so not be weird. more different mm-hmm. from, you know, Asteroid City. And so it's really cool seeing how he has all these crazy, different, unique ideas, but he's still able to implement his signature style into it. And there's this director named Lulu Wang, 
who directed this movie called The Farewell, which I haven't seen, but I've heard is great. And she was doing, like, not really an interview, but The Hollywood Reporter does this YouTube series called The Director's Roundtable and, like, yeah. Actors' Roundtable. And they're awesome. If you haven't watched any, they're on YouTube. They're free. They're, like, an hour each. And they'll get, like, five directors who have made a movie in a particular year. And she was talking about her movie, The Farewell, and how they were approached by Netflix because it, it was independent. They were approached by Netflix to buy it and A24. And Netflix offered them way more money. But she was like, I wanted, we sold it to A24 ultimately, and I wanted to because they're the ones who are going to really treat it like a movie that they want people to see versus Netflix, like kind of how we were talking about. There's just so much stuff out there on Netflix. It's going to be, it's just going to get buried. Exactly. It's just going to be featured for like a day or two. And then that's it. It'll just be lost in this huge sea of Netflix originals. Whereas, you know, something like Wes Anderson and like Focus Features is a studio who does this more like A24 does where they take these, you know, prominent or up and coming or just unique filmmakers and kind of give them a cool platform to be able to share their unique thing. And it really is like a cool way of showcasing them. So I just thought that was perspective was really cool. I don't know if Wes Anderson has ever done a round table like that. His interviews are kind of hard to find. He doesn't really do a ton, but when you do find an interview with him, it's really interesting. So yeah. It's just cool to see the longevity of it. I was trying to segue nice. into kind of Niall's question a little bit, but then I kind of <laughs> well, kept talking. Well, now that so. we're done with whatever <laughs> garbage that was, um, should we do mine next or should we do Jared's next? No, do yours. Yeah, let's okay. do yours. I think mine just kind of takes us a little bit further away. But. Sure. Yeah, let's. Um, my question is that this is barely related to Wes Anderson, but yeah, basically but... Wes Anderson has his specific style to the point that you can sit down and turn one on that you've never heard of before and pretty immediately identify, okay, this is Wes Anderson or at least somebody that's trying to do the Wes Anderson thing. Right. So, I mean, we even saw the trend recently this last, yeah, like, several the, months. The TikTok the thing. TikTok mm-hmm. and Instagram, like, this but Wes Anderson. Yeah. Right? Which was a lovely trend. Yeah. yeah. It was nice. It was nice. He didn't like it. It was fun to see people do terrible jobs of recreating Wes Anderson. <laughs> yes. And then a small minority doing very, very well. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's fine. Hey, that's... Yeah, no, that's, that's the point. Life. That's the yeah, point of it. But um, I think that trend also kind of helped you realize, okay, doing the Wes Anderson thing isn't easy, you know? No, yeah. <laughs> it's no, yeah. like... But um, I just wanted to ask, because I know all of us have... Uh, certain penchant for uh, wanting to direct or make videos or movies. Some of us to the point that we went to school for that. Um, And I just wanted to ask if you cares, um, (laughs) if you were to decide in your correcting in your directing career from now on (laughs) that you were going to have like a style that you wanted to be super recognizable what are some things that would factor into that style? Because I think most of our favorite directors are mm-hmm. team favorite directors here. You can pretty quickly say like, okay, this kind of feels like this director. So how would you create your feel as a director? Hmm. Great question. Should we, should Lucas go first or last? I, don't I know. think I should go last. Go, I'll last. go last. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. I think, yeah, 
So, first of all, the kind of movies I like are pretty straightforward. Not like in the telling all the time, right? But just in the narrative, right? Mm -hmm. I kind of want beginning, middle, end, solid story um, with, you know, pretty fast pacing, um, right? I like that kind of Edgar Wright, quick cuts, quick pans. Um, Mm. You know, I want it to be fast. Um, Man, I don't know, because I keep thinking about different things I'd want to direct, or you know, and they would all be very different. But I think having a lot of comedy in it, and comedy that inter like mixes or interacts with the camera, you know, mm. like the camera like nodding or something, oh, nice. not yeah. like a specific part, or breaking the fourth wall, or like, um, like those kind of things, kind of like just inter. Like She-Hulk that I haven't seen. Um, But, so, man, I'm trying to wrap my head around everything. No, it's hard to It's a very big question. It's a very hard question. It's a very good question, though. I'll say say that's kind of the baseline is get a cool story that I'm interested in. Tell it in a unique way that's very involved with the camera and in the music. You know? Yeah. where it feels like the camera's a character. It feels like the music's a character. Um, and tell a good, fun little story. Very That's cool. great. That's an without, awesome answer. I love Without that. being too too wild yeah. in yeah. presentation. Yeah. yeah. Not too absurd. I love it. Not too absurd. Um, I think that... the, the th- I kind of have three things that all are equally kind of inspiring ideas for me, at least just creatively. I'm like, Oh, that could kind of be fun. The first is kind of, and I know that this is already a thing that directors do, but I would basically just want to kind of take it and push it to like the full extreme, which is kind of picking a color for the movie Mm. and then having that be like the color that's in the movie to the point that like, after a viewer saw my movie, they would walk out and for the rest of at least like, you know, that month or whatever, whenever they saw that certain shade of blue, they would think about that movie again because like the sets would be dressed in it and people would be wearing like different like shades of basically the same blue for like the whole time or whatever. I just feel like it could be kind of fun to, to do or something like that where like, you can even use it as a kind of a storytelling device where the whole time everything is blue and then in one scene everything is red. And so, like, in your mind, it's immediately like, oh, that's yeah, like, like whoa, yeah. this is a an contrast. important scene or something, you know? Kind of like so, uh, Gwen Stacy stuff in... Uh, exactly. Yeah, in exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's why I'm like, all of the ideas that I have are basically just stolen from other things and then you yeah, just crank it to 11. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, I think another thing that I would do is kind of the baby driver thing where I would want, I would try to find a way to make all of the music. I, I get really mm. excited about soundtracks like guardians of the galaxy and baby driver are huge movies for me because yeah. like those soundtracks, I just think add so much like a well thought out needle drop is super effective oh. and a poorly thought out one is Dude, super distracting. No sleep. I was just saying no sleep so, till Brooklyn and Mario, dude. That was such a good versus one. Versus no sleep till Brooklyn in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 would be yeah. perfect, yeah. you know? So 
Um, it's not even the song. It's just how you approach yeah, how it. It's, yeah, and so exactly. I think that um, it would be fun to make all of the music in my movies diegetic. Make it music that the characters can also hear. Mm. Um, I think that it's it's a challenge for sure, but it's a fun way to approach things, you know? And um, making the music, like, very much part of the character's journey and their actual story and something that they're interacting with would be super fun. And then the last one that I would want to do, which I don't know if this is even a thing because it already, I feel like was taken to the extreme with the big Lebowski, but just writing out very like pre choreographed, um, interrupting scenes of people Mm. interrupting each other and talking over each other. But I don't know if you guys have looked at the script for The Big Lebowski, like next to the scenes, but those lines are written to the exact word that the interruptions happen. There is no improv like further lines that they do. It is like they they wrote it to be cut off at that exact pace and at the exact words that they have. And I just think that it adds so much understanding that that's like that's not just the actors talking over each other. That is all part of the director's exact vision for how the scene would play out. And I just love that interrupting type comedy. I think it's super funny. I think when three people are in the room having their own conversations with themselves and interrupting just to say the thing that they want. Maybe that's why I like this podcast so much because we barely listen to each what? other and we just talk <laughs> over each other. What are you talking about? Sorry. Huh? Sorry. But I think that, that I actually would wanted be... to add some, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, like I basically the opposite of Wes Anderson's kind of like awkward pause comedy. I would like I which I also yeah. think is excellent. He also does a lot of this interrupting comedy, but I would just I would want it to feel very like fast paced dialogue, everything cutting each other off. But I would want the actors in the scene to feel like we're not just shouting or, or like talking over each other. It's like a dance that we're doing. We're going to this exact point and then stopping and then waiting for our exact cue and then coming back in. It would just, as an actor, that sounds like so fun and exciting to me to try to do. So I think it would be really fun. That would be a style I would try to embrace. I love that. I think that's really fun too. Um, it, <clears throat> so this type of question is presented a lot by... Um, my direct was presented a lot by my directing professor in school of just the idea of you need to find like your voice and you need to find a style, not as much like a style, like a Wes Anderson, but just Mm -hmm. what makes you, you, because he was saying like, that's, what's going to get you work way more than anything else is you have to be confident about yourself and have something, man, I don't know why I'm, Sorry, there was something this stuck in my throat. Podcasting. I know, it's very yeah. bad podcasting. Coughing and then taking like a three second break to drink water. <laughs> to drink like water. A person needs. Bad. So, by figuring out your style and your voice, that's really what's going to make you appealing to people because you're very much you. Because if Wes Anderson had had someone or enough people tell him, hey, that style sucks, no one likes it before he'd gotten big, he probably would have stopped. Maybe he was confident enough to do it anyway. I mean, here he is successful you know, how 20 years after graduating from film school. But it's very much a question that I've thought about a lot. And so what's th- some of the things that I like to do in either my stuff or just 
that I've tried to mess around with is I really like long takes. I really like kind of a camera moving around and you see a lot happen. It's really hard to do long takes because everything has to be done. You can kind of hide a lot of stuff in cuts. And when you do it all as one take, it's like very hard. Much It just makes it way harder. But I really like it because I think it's just impressive and engaging when people are able to pull it off like Birdman and like 1917 movies like that that are just entire one take shots um, I also like really wide shots where not super wide shots but wide wide enough that you can see the whole scene going down and not as much coverage which is basically individual camera um, like a shot of someone as they're interacting coverage is like on the person and then it cuts to the other person in the conversation and the wide shot is both of them in the same frame and so that's something that I like to mess around with and do more with that a lot as well. Um, and also, of course, if you've seen most of my stuff, I really like weird food stuff. I just think, <laughs> I just think it's really funny. <laughs> like This whole just, time, that's been your voice. It's <laughs> weird food it's stuff. It's definitely part of my style. I mean, it genuinely is. Like, I first did in the Little Piggies thing. And I just have always loved the idea of normal situations becoming just totally absurd or normal things being used in absurd ways. Like in theory, you know, food is just something we all do and eat. And you don't think about eating it off of a naked man dressed in only a diaper or eating. Or having lasagna shoved down your (laughs) throat. Shoved down your throat or having a wet cheesy donut that you eat off of your own stomach like stuff like that I just think is really I, it's almost horrific even it's almost yeah. a horror type of comedy which I love horror and comedy um, almost equally and that's the type of you know when I that's the type of directing and writing stuff I want to do is more horror and comedy and so yeah cool. I just like how that is a little bit of the vibe of both but um, yeah good answer Great. Yeah, there's me. I also want to adopt the good. the long takes for my one too. That's a that's a dormant one for me that I mm. didn't think of until you said it. But I love any movie where there's like a big long take. Mm, just love it. Yep. Me too. Or <laughs> shows. Which, by They're, the way, yeah, there's a lot of cool shows that do it. Well. One of my problems with Asteroid City, real quick, was that there were a lot of like swish cuts that were uh, not well executed. <laughs> like where you could very clearly see a cut in the switch yeah. and it was supposed to look like, oh, this is just a switch thing. Mm. And they're looking over here now, but it was like, Whoa. there's a switch and then a hard cut. <laughs> and, and then, then the rest of the switch. And it's kind of like, that didn't really look great. <laughs> and it kind of takes you out of it when it's not like well executed, you know? There's a, there's a good switch cut in the diaper salesman. From yes, the there is that I thought worked really well, and there, uh, you it's didn't even very good. It. It's super well executed. <laughs> but yeah, I love that question. Thank you for uh, letting us talk about that stuff, Niall. That was great. No problem. What about you, Jared? Well, now that we've talked about our isms, uh, <laughs> let's talk again about Wes Anderson's isms. Sure. Now that we've talked about what those kind of things are, those stylistic choices, and let's talk about how we could use his or how he could use his i guess to make remake a movie or a classic movie or a movie that you like or a movie that you don't like uh we may have asked this on our last wes anderson episode but we don't remember so <laughs> we do and not it was like remember two years ago so yeah, it was a lot two years changes. Ago. <laughs> yeah and i'm pretty sure if we did ask it it was probably not in exactly the same way it was probably a variation yeah. on it so mm-hmm. so you get new answers anyway 
what would you like him to remake? This is a movie that already exists that you want to be redone in his style. Maybe it's a good one you want to just see his vision for. Maybe it's a bad one you want to see uh, given a second chance. I've got my answer. This is an excellent movie with a bad remake. Mm. And the remake would have been better if Wes Anderson had done it. And the answer is The Magnificent Seven. Mm. Put Wes Anderson (laughs) in a full western situation I think that would be really where cool. you are you are <laughs> yeah. building a a team of seven individuals who it, it like just any time you're giving Wes Anderson an opportunity to build a super cast yeah, like I'm on, on board seven. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know totally. and so giving him a chance to basically the idea is it's been it's been remade time and time again. What, Magnificent Seven is technically kind of a reimagining of the Seven Samurai, the Kurosawa yeah, exactly, movie. Yep. And so it's a it's a story that's happened so many times. But the idea is there's a town that has been uh, getting harassed and looted by a team of bandits. And so this guy, um, kind of a a shady, mysterious character himself, I think goes by the man in black, um, puts together this team (laughs) of other relatively competent individuals and they just defend this town and drive off these bandits. Mm. It's a super simple story with a lot of really cool kind of interactions between the characters and the people in the town and like all of these different relationships start developing. And then there's one big kind of combat at the end of the movie and seeing like it basically it feels like a fantastic Mr. Fox type thing. Just doing the, (laughs) doing the fight in such a lighthearted way while it still feels really high stakes like it does in that movie. I think he would just crush it and his ability to put a cast together that just works and gels with like all everybody is just, they fit in and there's insane chemistry. It would just be so much fun to see Magnificent Seven done in a lighthearted way that still takes itself seriously. And I think if anyone embodies lighthearted, but still taking themselves seriously, it's Wes Anderson. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. I, I'm now realizing we did something, we did do a similar question because I remember pitching a Fantastic Four Wes Anderson movie, yep. but I don't remember yeah. what the question was. That's not my answer, but I thought of that. I was like, oh, I think I've had this, but regardless. Which, Lucas, I don't know if you remember, that Fantastic Four idea is an idea that both of us have had independent of each yep. other. Yep. So it's it's an objectively good it is. idea. Is yeah, I've thought about that too, though. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh yeah? yeah, and Jared. Yeah, uh, yeah I thought yeah. about that too, though. Mm-hmm. Then With, like, three the, of us, man. All three of us. To all three of us. <laughs> all three of us are one. good and smart. Um, no, yeah. my, my answer is not that. My answer is actually a movie that I love. Um, if you're watching, you can see it here. And that is... Oh! Wow. Oh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas is... One of those all-timers, Martin Scorsese. It's a Martin Scorsese picture. It is phenomenal. I love it so much. I think if it's not my favorite, it's one of my top two or three favorite Scorsese movies. It's awesome. Scorsese, it's really funny. Scorsese does just, he just has very much his own style. However, I think it could be very interesting to see a little bit of 
some Wes Anderson in that same story because it has a lot of almost like Asteroid City where the main guy, um, Ray Liotta's character, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He, Damien. No, it's not Damien. Oh. He keeps cutting to his narration and his story. And he even has a couple points where he talks to the camera, which I think is super well executed. And if you remember the short film that I made, Ace is High, I have a part where the main guy does that, and it's just Goodfellas. It's just straight up ripping that off. It's basically just <laughs> ripping it off the whole time anyway. But um, I think Wes Anderson's whole blocking of just like very flat, just symmetrical, I think it could be really cool in a gangster movie. And yeah. since we're just yeah. pitching the remake, I think a gangster movie would be cool, but the best, one of the best gangster movies of all time is Goodfellas, and I think that one would fit more so than like a Godfather or something like that. And I think that Wes Anderson remake could be really, really cool. Love yeah. it. I That's like that. That's a great idea. You know Goodfellas was the first of a proposed trilogy that didn't get picked up? Oh, really? I did not know that, actually. Yeah. Goodfellas, Badfellas, and Uglyfellas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we would have been a shoe in for that third one. We could have been cast. You got me with that one. Thanks. Um, well, I'll bring us home with my answer. Let's hear it, This baby. is... This is a movie I think truly should be his next. Or at least be like a consideration for his next. Because mm. I think it really works. I know he he doesn't do like remakes or hasn't. Yeah. Right? He does <laughs> so, adaptations though. He's adapted a couple of old doll things. So. That, fair. Yeah. You know. So I guess honestly maybe this would work. It could. Uh, the movie would be Clue. Oh. That's right. Take a classic board game, right, with this aesthetic of, you know, Professor Plum and Colonel Mustard and Jonathan. others. <laughs> John. Um, you know, these kind of characters who are very colorful, uh, very, you know, cartoonish, right? Uh, which, again, he's very cartoonish. It's a good o- ensemble piece. Um, it has a fun mystery. You can put it in. You put it in like a mansion that's very colorful and very symmetrical. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah uh, totally. and then like just a... you know tell this story that unfolds this mystery throughout. Have the characters interacting with each other, and you know get a stellar uh, cast in there. Uh, and yeah, just make it feel like a board game. Make it feel like a cartoon, and. Love yeah, it. I don't know. I think it could really deliver. I could totally see Wes Anderson doing even like a top-down shot that is just the Clue board. Oh, that would be <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That like, be like so cool. big models of the Clue board in the house. Yeah, and so, yeah. That would be so cool. So cool. So yeah, that's my yeah. answer. That's a good answer. That's, that's probably great. the best really, of the three. I really like that. <laughs> I think that's that's, that's an fun. excellent <laughs> choice. Gives an opportunity for an excellent cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think there yeah. is actually a Clue movie being made. I'm not. It, I don't know really? if it's Another a one. sequel or a remake. It's probably or what. suck. But yeah, it probably is. There it's are the third of the Knives Out movies. <laughs> it's just Clue. It's just Clue. There, uh, Knives Out. I'm Clue. pretty sure Clue is Mattel or Hasbro. If it's Mattel, uh, that would make more sense because um, Barbie is Mattel, and they mm-hmm. announced that there are currently 45 Mattel movies or TV shows in development. No. Various 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 stages. stages of production. Ugh. Meaning where, none of them are going to get made. Where are people getting this money? I mean, I know we're giving it to them. Bro, <laughs> yeah. well, Mattel is huge. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> but some of the ideas are like an Uno movie and a Hot Wheels movie. And Which I'm way down Holly for. Holly Pocket. I think a Hot Wheels could be really cool. <laughs> give me the Hot Wheels movie. Yeah, give me the Hot Wheels. <laughs> if, if you think, okay, let me just 
totally unrelated, but Hot Wheels Accelerators, which was an animated sh- series of movies from the early two thousands, they're really sick. And I think a live action or another one of those could be awesome. That's not what bring they're going to the make. Bring the Bionicle movies back. I don't oh, know totally. if Mattel owns Lego, but bring back Bionicle movies. They do not, but you know someone has to make them. So yeah. true. Bring anyway. back Bionicles in general. Anyway, well, um, Wes Anderson well, movies. Oh, Wes Anderson movies, we love them. While we're talking about things that are to come. Ooh, great segue. <gasps> Ooh. Niall, do you want to hit us with our next episode? Excellent. I would love to hit all of you in the face and mouth with the next episode, which and is we're going to do Mission Impossible. Dude. It's an excellent franchise, which I still need to see five and six, and then seven comes out. And so we'll cover we'll cover just all of it, mm-hmm. not even just the movie, but all of it, because it's all a franchise it. that a lot of people have a lot of love for, and uh, we haven't even talked a lick about it. So <laughs> I think Dead Reckoning is such a cool name for a movie too. Dead Reckoning is so sick. sick. So I'm, cool. I'm, I'm so about excited. It. I'm so excited so, too. It's gonna be cool. So uh, if you're if you're excited for that, then stay excited for it because it's definitely mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Real quick, uh, just want to give a shout out to Kel. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> this shout out to Kel this week comes from, uh, I guess you just read their usernames, right? That's the standard practice, mm, even if I know the person. I'm going to just read the username. The username? Cool. I was just um, saying you yeah. do their real names. but So we got Easy Lob, is how I've always pronounced it. Um, shout out to Kel from Easy Lob, Britton Inkley, Riley Allen. Ian James Martin and Hannah Steed. Hooray. Uh, Hooray. So we love you, Kel. Um, if you are listening and you would also like to give a shout out to Kel, um, you can do that by supporting us on Patreon um, at, uh, I believe, just Man Cave Movie Night. Yep. Patreon.com slash Man Cave Movie Night. Um, it's $3 a month. Uh, we post extra episodes on there called the post credits episodes, which are much more loose. It's just kind of us chatting about stuff on the one that we're about to do. We're going to be talking about some of the big news that has come out this week. So it'll be a super dated episode that but it'll will be not fun stand the, the test of time, but oh, it's it'll like be a time capsule. Right yeah. it'll, it'll be fun. And, uh, on the Patreon, we're also going to maybe do some other kind of bonus type stuff. I don't know. Those those post-credits episodes are where we're going to do a lot of, like, quizzes and stuff. We did a tier list of Taylor Swift's ex-boyfriends on there. So it's just, it's <laughs> we fun. Mario we just Kart. do, we do like goofy Mario type Kart. stuff. Yeah. We get goofy. We get silly. It's... I know we're all business here on the main <laughs> on the main one, but we get a little goofy and a little silly on the other one. Um, all of the money from those, uh, sponsor from those, uh, supporters just goes into us making the podcast better, whether that means getting different microphones or making uh, merch that you guys can, uh, get just what, whatever it is, it goes back into the podcast. We're not trying to make money. We're just trying to make a better podcast. So yes, sir. check us yes. out there. Um, also look at us on Instagram. There are pictures of us, so you can look at us on Instagram, uh, at, Man Cave Movie Night. Um, And there's probably some other places where you can find us. Yeah. Um, Lucas and I are looking for work, so check us out on LinkedIn. (laughs) Hashtag open to work. Hashtag open for work. Maybe we should start a Man Cave Movie Night Threads account also. (laughs) Threads is fun. The new Twitter. Um, 
But uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for uh, listening or watching if you're on YouTube, if you're one of those nasty little fellows who likes to see us while we talk. Also on Spotify, you can watch. Oh yeah, right. And we will see you guys. You can also subscribe to Patreon on Spotify. So if if that's easier for you and more convenient, do it there. Sorry to interrupt. There's no excuse. That's what you don't have three dollars a month. Eat at McDonald's one time less. (laughs) Eat at McDonald's one third of a time less because there will be only spending three dollars McDonald's. (laughs) You can one hot and spicy. That's that's all you get for three bucks at McDonald's now. No, I think you get two hot and spicy for three. Oh yeah, because it's the buy one get another one free. Nice hot and spicies. In Utah. I don't think hot and spices even exist in other states. Anyway, There's we'll a see you guys. That's, okay, we'll put that in the postcard. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about, though. And it is true, if that was your question. Yeah, we'll, I no, don't, we'll so I'm excited no, to yeah, hear post-cuts, post-cuts, post-cuts. We'll see yeah, you guys we'll pay $3 on Pay $3 to find yeah, out what I'm going to little say. Tease, little Am tease I, I'm going to try this like a billion <laughs> times, times more to end this oh, episode. Oh, and remember to review us, you guys. Uh, and we'll see you guys. Five-star review. Sorry, just do it, Niall. We'll see you on another Man Cave Movie Night Monday. Bye-bye. Bye. Bazinga. Bazinga. There we go.